Hello, I'm Chris Neeland, host of a new podcast, Cult Brand Secrets, brought to you by The Gathering and Evergreen Podcasts. The Gathering is a Forbes top-rated business summit and a masterclass for brand and business leaders looking to reap the benefits of cult-like adoration. Each year, The Gathering brings together disruptors from around the globe to learn from and to celebrate the leaders behind iconic brands like Marvel, Skittles, Beats by Dre, Yeti, and the Dallas Cowboys. For the first time ever, this podcast will give you access to some of the exclusive business leader learnings from the gathering's past events. I love the honesty in Rachel's presentation at the 2020 gathering as she shared how her brand dealt with unexpected disruption. You know, she confesses that when she took over as the brand leader for Doritos, sales were stagnant, maybe even slipping in some markets. You know, perhaps Doritos had rested on their laurels a bit too much, and as a result, were losing some relevance. You know, clearly times and tastes change, and especially within this category and with this target audience, Gen Z, you know, they're, they're difficult to pin down. And on top of all of that, certainly cultural norms and expectations continue to evolve. All of this shows why it's just so difficult to not only become great, but to stay great as a business and as a brand. Fortunately, this is a success story. And Rachel shares some key insights into how they got their mojo back. And if you're not paying close attention, you may miss how Rachel talks about listening and learning from their target audience. That is so, so key. Same, really since the advent of TV advertising, marketers have been perfecting their storytelling. They've been getting better and better at learning how to talk. But cult brands have learned how to shut up and to listen. They know that they aren't smarter than their customers. So they find really clever ways to include the voice of their customer in their different strategies and tactics. So you're in for a treat today as Rachel shares the story behind what they call the anti-ad, which went against the advice of so many so-called experts, what was so, so successful. I mean, even her legal team, as she shares, was against this idea. But it resulted in Doritos literally branding a shape. They now own this mind share of the triangle. You know, she also gives this great study on their Cool Ranch campaign, which is really the first time in 20 years that Cool Ranch has received so much love and attention. I believe that Rachel gives us a masterclass on modern day marketing. So let's dive in and learn from one of our industry's best. First of all, I just want to say, you know, it's truly an honor to be here today because the company of brands that our brand Doritos is amongst is just amazing. And what I would say is I think being here today is really a testament to the journey that we've been on as Doritos. Um, and so I'm just really excited and thrilled to share with you the journey and a bit about our story. And really, I think where it really starts is, you know, Doritos is a brand that is loved by millions. 
and I mean millions. It is really a brand that has a strong place in American households, in pantries, in people's lives. And that's not something that we take lightly. It's known for its bold flavor. It's known for its bold actions. And so this is kind of its place in the world. But what we found, and, and I joined PepsiCo around three years ago, and it was very clear that things were changing. And we were really facing probably the most disruption that we had ever faced as a brand. And, and this was the first point of disruption in our history. I'm sure you are all familiar with the Crash the Super Bowl campaign that had ran for a decade. So this is, you know, finished in 2016. And so in 2017, we'd really come away from that stage for the first time in 10 years, which was a big step. And we learned a lot from that. But we were seeing that there was disruption all around us and that we really needed to navigate this disruption if we were going to maintain this incredible status that we had earned over five decades. And so when we left Crash, it was fascinating what happened. During the year that we were not present at Super Bowl in 2017, there were 1.2 billion conversations about why Doritos was not there. People were like really upset. Why are you, why, where's the Doritos commercial? What's happened? We actually had consumers that believed they'd seen a commercial. So that was amazing. But what it really taught us is that there were expectations that needed to be met. That this was a moment in time that was important for the brand, not the only moment that's important for the brand, but that we really needed to think about where will we go next? What was the future and how are we going to take the brand forward into that future? The second point of disruption we were facing is the rise of Gen Z. We were seeing a generational shift on the brand that was significant for us. You know, our stronghold had always been in these emerging adults. But did we really know how to effectively connect with this next generation? Did we understand what their expectations were, what their values were? And we learned, you know, some really important things. They'd grown up in a very different world, an unstable world, an insecure world that was shaping the way they saw the world. 59% of them want brands to represent their values. And 55% of them cared about what the brand's societal role was. And that was important to them. And 82% skip ads. That's a pretty alarming statistic. And mobile was prime time. So looking at this, we're like, okay, it's time. We need to shift. How do we do that? But we also saw disruption in terms of demographic makeup, the multicultural consumer, even the needs and desires around food and snacking were changing. And that there was this desire for more intensity, more variety. And again, we kind of stuck in this sort of classic world that we'd been in for a long time. So that was also something that was happening to us. And we were finding ourselves being substituted, which was not something we had seen before. And then finally, culture. Did we really know what it meant to be in culture? And how could we change the way our brand impacted culture in a much more significant way? And so we'd reached really a pivot point because frankly, at this moment, 
our sales had started to stagnate and our penetration was challenged. And so we knew that we had to evolve for the future. And so at this point, we set ourselves a new vision. We knew we had this iconic status in a lot of our fans' minds, but it was time to reignite the icon. And this really led us back to what do we stand for? But how do we embrace this disruption that is happening around us and take the brand forward into the future? So we spent a lot of time listening and learning about our audience and really visioning where we thought we wanted to go. And we came up with a thought that really became the power and the fuel for our creativity and our brand thinking across the last three years. And that was this notion of being hungry to disrupt. If disruption is happening, we need to embrace that disruption. We need to embolden that disruption and really create a winning formula for how we'll embrace this, which links back to what the product truth is, but also what the brand promise is. And we set ourselves a winning formula and we had things, you know, it's interesting being in a corporate environment with such a kind of cult-like brand. Uh, when you, you stand up and you say, one of our principles going forward is to say, holy shit, I can't believe Doritos did that. And we had the shit word on the chart. We did put some asterisks in, you know, just to make it acceptable internally. But that notion of having a real internal charge around being hungry to disrupt and how we behaved as a brand. But we also knew that we had to define our role in culture. And we were very purposeful in how we thought about this. We defined our core cultural vectors that would embrace and engage and fuel our equity for the future, and that was music and gaming. And we said, that is where we want to play. That is based on the audience insights on what is true for our consumer and this next generation. And that is really the strategic framework by which we now think about some of those activations and the way that we show up in the world. And that led us to some core principles, which I'm going to talk through about what we've learned on this journey. But what I can tell you is through the course of embracing this strategy, the principles that we have put forward, that has led us to this moment in time, three years on, where we have had our most successful innovation in the history of the brand. We have had our biggest sales year in a decade. We have record penetration, and just the list goes on and on. Real incredible momentum that we believe is really showing that Doritos is now living its iconic status and its cold status. So what is the first principle on our journey and our story? It really is about knowing what you stand for, but more importantly, relevance that transcends disruption. This disruption and fragmentation is not gonna stop. We have to continue to keep that timeless truth whilst embracing and ever changing without losing what you stand for. It's hard, but that's what we believe is critical. And so as we went back to knowing what we stood for and bringing the brand into the here and now, 
we reinvented our brand purpose. We had always been a bold brand that took bold actions, made bold statements, but it wasn't about stunts anymore. What we learned was that self-expression was really, really important for this new generation. And so we knew that our role was to help ignite this in everything that we did. And it was not just about ignition, it was also about enabling our consumers and our fans to be a part of that creation, to be a part of the elevation, which led us to um, something uh, that we now embrace as our idea, and that is another level. That Doritos takes you to another level, whether it be through its bold snacking experience or through its promise and its beliefs and the way it behaves. And so another level became the framework for us by which we have been um, behaving in the world and activating in the world. But we also knew that it's one thing to say what you stand for, it's another to behave in a way and act out what you stand for. And if we really wanted to have that iconic status that we believe we had earned, you know, over decades, we certainly needed to start acting like one. And so this was really our second principle. And we said, okay, if we're gonna bring another level into the world in a disruptive way, how do we do that? And we did something that was incredibly brave, incredibly disruptive. And it was based on that simple truth. If you don't want to be advertised to, let's not do traditional advertising. So we launched a brandless campaign to launch another level into the world, what we called the anti-ad. And uh, I'm going to share with you a short film that shows you how we put this into, and we launched it at the VMAs. And uh, let's take a look at uh, Logo Goes Here. When you're an icon, you don't make an ad. You make the anti-ad. The following is a paid message. For a chip so iconic, we don't need to name it. No logos, no gimmicks. Just those red and blue bags with the stuff you love in it. Man, you know the brand. It's the three-sided crunch that had you trade your buddies for it if they packed a pack at lunch. No logo, but our name's on the tip of your tongue. Shake it for crumbs when the bag is done. Love that cheesy, spicy, crispy, crunchy flavor packed bodega snack that rhymes with, I need those. But an ad with no logo? It's another level. Now that's some shit only an iconic brand can do. When you're an icon, you take your logo off the bag. When you're an icon, you sponsor the VMAs without saying your name once. Brought to you by a chip so iconic, we don't need to name it. When you're an icon, you get social platforms to break their own rules and become the first brand to go completely brandless. When you're an icon, you don't need a website, just an emoji. People know who you are before you tell them. Doritos. 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 Now you just have us associating all triangles with Doritos. When you're an icon, people make ads for you and they share them everywhere. And when your legal team says you can't make an ad without a logo, you don't take no for an answer. 
No, we are not doing a brandless commercial. Because an icon can't be ignored. This was a case study for... And that really was a legal comment. We're not kidding you. It's, uh, we, we, we played around with that, actually, in social media, which is super fun. But I think, really, hopefully what you can see through that is just really the shift that we were making and really co-creation with our consumer and giving them a platform versus just advertising to this audience. And so, you know, really amazing way to step into this new world for the brand. And it kind of, as you can see, I mean, this kind of crazy stuff that happened around triangles and these kind of um, theories that were running around on the internet about what's this all mean and does it have some kind of mythical meaning. It was a fantastic example, I think, of also the next principle, principle three, which was, you know, don't be a cultural tourist. Really create culture to enable your future. What we've been doing is, you know, great kind of promo stuff. It's very easy to just kind of grab a cultural um, play and stick it on the bag, you know, win an Xbox. Oh, here's level up on gaming, buy the bag, get this. But what we... What we saw was we weren't really in the conversation. We weren't really there in an authentic and incredible way. And so we really decided that we were going to create value in culture and that we were going to really figure out what mattered to fans, really listen and learn from them and play a part. And I'm going to show you a few examples of how we've done this. The first one was when we came back to Super Bowl in 2018. We did something very different. We had brands battle it out on the stage between our friends, other friends in PepsiCo, Mountain Dew, and also and with together with ourselves. And, you know, we picked up on what was happening in culture, this kind of lip sync rap battles that were happening. Also this notion of spitting fire. Can you rap fast? Um, and we picked that up, linked to that kind of music cultural vector that I talked about. And we basically came up with this kind of rap battle that we put on Super Bowl. And, but what we did then was really turn it over to the fans to decide who'd won. And so using Snapchat, you know, you could pick a side. You could be on the Dorito side. You could be on the Mountain Ice Dew side. And... Um, we had fans create 15 million, 15 million people created branded content in one day, which is just unbelievable. We had 28 million views of the ad before Super Bowl. It was just incredible because we really were creating something um, that was really culturally resonating. And we had hip hop royalty weighing in, which really gave us that credibility in the space in a way we hadn't seen before. Um, and actually Buster's track, Look At Me Now, which were Peter Dinklage, of course, culturally extremely relevant at that time with Game of Thrones, um, it re-entered the charts again after seven years. So uh, incredible example of really shifting into creating culture. Um, we followed up in 2019 um, with uh, a very important product launch that was linked into this idea again of trying to have and leave an imprint on culture. And we took our original cheese flavor, which I'm sure there are some Doritos fans, I hope, in the audience. Woo! 
thank you. But nacho cheese, just an unbelievably loved product. But we, we took this original and we made it hot. And we took that notion by taking an original song like the Backstreet Boys, like Lionel Richie's Hello, and we remixed them with Chance the Rapper. So we made first of, you know, never heard music before remixes and put them on both the Grammys and on uh, Super Bowl. And uh, fans really wanted the tracks. They were asking us to release them. Um, and we just saw this incredible um, social conversation um, and just incredible uh, results. Backstreet Boys got an out number one album. Uh, Lionel Richie was becoming cool again. <laughs> and, uh, and we were actually the sixth most watched ad on YouTube in 2019. Um, so just... Uh, an incredible uh, moment, again, linked into how do we create culture? And uh, it was one of our, this was our most successful product launch in the uh, company's history. I will, I'll just switch gears now and look at gaming and what we've done here. And I think we've really entrenched ourselves here. We really said, how do we put our fans at the center? And it starts with really listening and learning about what's your authentic role in the world. And we knew that gaming was a passion for our fans. And so we, in 2018, for, um, hosted for the first time ever Doritos Bowl, where we, it was a competitive gaming tournament. Um, so we didn't sponsor our way in here. We really made ourselves experts in the gaming world. And we hosted this first of a kind uh, competition at TwitchCon where um, we had team captains like Shroud and Ninja who led these teams uh, in Call of Duty, uh, Black Ops 4. And we had 16 top tier streamers uh, participate. And it was a really collaborative experience for fans um, that they could only see with Doritos. And this competition, reached 30,000 TwitchCon attendees and we had 59 million unique views, which is just unbelievable in terms of scale. And then the last one I would share with you um, is what we've done most recently. So our follow-up to Flamin' Hot Nacho, our most successful innovation launch in the history, uh, was to launch a Limon version, Flamin' Hot Limon. And um, we thought about how do we do this in a really different way? And so we thought of this guy, Post Malone. And it was a really simple idea. Um, what happens if Post Malone eats a flaming Hot Limone? He becomes Post Limone. Um, and we didn't know if he'd go for this, but he did. So we were totally thrilled. Um, he loved the product. And so we really wanted to be uh, much more authentic in how we integrated music culture into the brand. He actually changed his identity for a day. He changed all his social platforms and became Post Limone, his alter ego. And you just can't imagine the craziness that went on. Immediately as we aired um, the commercial, uh, he changed his identity and fans just went crazy. And here he is saying, allow me to introduce myself as Post Lamone. So just an incredible example of really taking that much deeper into culture in a way that was really disruptive and really uh, got the internet talking. And that leads me to the last principle. We are overwhelmed by big data. We are constantly uh, using our data to guide our decisions. But sometimes just ignore it and trust your gut. And let's really think about when you have an idea that's really powerful, 
that you know can move people will always, at the center of any truly powerful brand, make the difference. And that's where the magic happens. And this last example I'm going to share with you, I think, is a brilliant example of that, but also an example of all of the three principles I shared before. Know what you stand for. If you are iconic, act iconic and create something in culture that will really create your future. And the example I'll share is what we did most recently on the Super Bowl. We took our most iconic product, Cool Ranch, and we brought it up to date. Now, this is a product that's been around for a long time. We haven't touched this thing in 20 years. Kind of a bit of a lost hero in the, the, the sea of choices we have for consumers. And when you have something as iconic as this that has this amazing name, Cool Ranch, it really uh, allows you to do something really epic. And so we took our most simple product truth and creatively exploded it. And our idea was very simple. The Cool Ranch was about to get cooler. And it led to a really epic duel between these two. I mean, what more famous cowboy is there than Sam Elliott? And he is just a rock star, by the way. What a, what a guy. He's just amazing. And then in contrast to the emerging and um, ever more current little Nas X. And so we put these two together in a way that really was disruptive and unexpected. And so when we landed on this, we knew we had an opportunity to really get people talking and to really disrupt and be unexpected. And so we teased this in a way that was really, um, really didn't give the game away um, until the very end. And that teaser alone had almost 10 million views. Just a teaser, which is incredible. And that led us to then um, the actual Cool Ranch Got Cooler um, event. But again, we wanted to re really leave an imprint in culture and take it into, allow our fans to really um, be a part of this. And so we challenged consumers to the Cool Ranch Dance Challenge. And so it really was an unprecedented moment for us. So just incredible results. You know, we were number four on AdMeter. We had the second highest purchase intent of any brand at Super Bowl. Number one most viral spot. We, we won the um, Twitter quarterback uh, for retweets. Uh, just incredible. The list goes on. 4.2 billion views on TikTok. Just incredible. And having Sam Elliott trend organically in Twitter was um, pretty um, amazing. So where do we stand today? Well, I'm just really thrilled to say that we are the second most loved brand by Gen Z of all categories, all brands um, in the US today and rank the highest salty snacks. So we really feel like the journey we've been on has really got us back to our best. And so the principles uh, I'll come back to, just really knowing what you stand for, having that relevance that transcends disruption and embraces it. To be an icon, act like one. Don't be a cultural tourist. Really create culture to enable your future. And sometimes you just got to trust the gut. So thank you so much for your attention. Thanks for listening. And sorry for my snivels. I've got a bit of a cold. So thank you.
I'm sitting here thinking that I'm trying to empathize with the crowd. Most people are probably thinking your job is to sell more chips. <laughs> and yet you're behaving like you're an entertainment brand. Yeah. How do you reconcile that to be able to demonstrate to your leadership that these sorts of big investments, I can't imagine that was an inexpensive commercial to sure. produce, is going to manifest itself in uh, traffic aisle sales? I would just tell you that everything that we've done over the last couple of years has moved the business in a way that we have not seen in a long time. And I think it's because being authentic, being in the places that consumers care about in a way that really connects with them and moves them is what really ultimately moves the business. Innovation is very important and continuing to be ubiquitous and um, you know delight consumers is critical, but that's table states. The reality is our vision is to really build a cultural icon. And we know that when we build brand equity for the long term, it really has the most sustainable sales impact. So it isn't that hard, actually, to convince management of that, because candidly, when you see the way we're tracking, everyone's feeling amazing. Well, I remember the original Crash the Super Bowl spot. Mm -hmm. I believe the urban legend is it was killed three or four times. The, the concept that we're going to let the crowd produce the spot and that it was a gigantic leap of faith that the Frito-Lay leadership displayed to say, okay, because I think even like the night before or something like that, you weren't sure which of the winners was going to be on there for mm -hmm. the Super Bowl spot. Was that the beginning of this new era of, of marketing where they gave you a lot more trust and confidence? Or do you think that Frito-Lay in its DNA for decades has always been sort of pushing the envelope? No, I would say that um, I think it's interesting what causes change um, in an organization. And unfortunately, it usually comes out of a crunch point where you hit a moment in time where things are not perhaps going the way you want them to. And you realize, and that's what forces the change. Um, and actually, sometimes it's so much easier to change when things are good <laughs> than when things are not so good. And that was the inception of where Crash came from. And it was the genesis of that. Um, and it, but it was a very bold move for the organization. But it came out of the DNA and the truth of the brand and what had really always made Doritos great, which is really this ignition that the brand has in the way that the product experiences, that's the truth, to also how the brand has always behaved. But I think Crash took it to another level. And, uh, and yes, it was, I think actually the bigger conversation in Crash was actually the year after Crash, should we continue? versus, yeah, we had this moment in time. But um, that has set us on this journey. And another level is really the next generation of that. I know that I buy and eat more Cheetos in my house than That's my okay. 15. Or I'm That's Frito-Lay too. I mean, I'm not, okay not with Cheetos. That. Uh, <laughs> uh, Doritos. Oh, okay. My, uh, <laughs> That's good too. Than my teenagers. <laughs> One of the adages is don't try to be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. And yet most brands would be terrified to do anything that might offend anyone. And I don't think you're doing anything offensive, but you've put a stake in the ground at Gen Z. And yet there's still a lot of 40-somethings that are eating your mm -hmm. product. How, how do you reckoncile, well, if we go that big on this group, is this group going to still shop us? Well, I think candidly, that's exactly what, what the Cool Ranch example is. I think it appeals to all generations. Sam Elliott 
I mean, everybody loves Sam Elliott across the board. And so we're always constantly thinking about that balance between the multi-generational appeal of the brand, but at its bullseye, ensuring that we're evolving for the emerging adult, which is definitely where our stronghold is, is important. So it's not easy, but on, there are certain moments in time, like a big stage, where you're talking to all of America, that you need to make sure you are really transcending those generations. And I think we've learned over the last few years how to do that. And some, sometimes we've got it wrong and, and sometimes we've got it right. But it's a journey and it's something that we are very mindful of. In your own career, is the logo-less anti-ad maybe the most courageous thing that you've ever tried to attempt to do? Probably, yes. It was, but it just felt so right when we saw it. This, you know, this chip, I mean, you just show the triangle with orange dust and everybody knows it's Doritos. You don't need, no all of the kind of razzmatazz outside of that. And we just knew that to be true. And we said, well, why don't we celebrate that? And why don't we enable people to tell us what they think makes the brand so amazing? And that's what you saw. You saw the content people were creating, all sorts of crazy triangle things. And so, yes, it was, but it also felt right. And I think, you know, there's, there was, you know, it was a, a different way for us to behave. And internally, we had to get people behind that. But it was amazing, actually, the energy inside the building for how this just felt right for the brand. And uh, the reception was just unilaterally positive. I think one of the things that shocked people, there was like an audible gasp last year when Jennifer talked about how lean her team was Mm -hmm. on Cheetos. Television, everything that you guys are doing, all of this amazing work, all this content, how, how big is the marketing department on the Doritos team? Oh, it's uh, six people. Six people. So sometimes we like to use the excuse, well, I need more people to do more cool things, but yeah. you guys are phenomenally lean yeah. in, uh, in how you operate. And I would, if I could just make a quick comment on that, what I would say is that what's more important is it's not about numbers of people. It's about the mindset and it's about how people really connect with the brand and how they really live the values of the brand. So the way we put our brand teams together is designed with absolutely that in mind. And not everyone is right to run Doritos, candidly, and not everyone is right to be on Cheetos. So we're very purposeful about that. And we find that when we get that internal connection between what the brand really is and what it believes and how it needs to behave, that shows up in the world in a more powerful way than if you threw 10 more people at it. That makes the difference. That's where the energy and the catalyst for creativity comes from. You've shared some amazing successes. Is there a notable failure, something that uh, you wouldn't have been as proud to showcase at an industry event like this of something you tried that just fell flat? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think candidly, this transformation we had to make in the portfolio was quite difficult for us because we'd always, you know, had always been a mass kind of appealing brand. And here we are trying to appeal to new audiences. And the transformation of the portfolio wasn't easy. You know, we, we the first attempt uh, through Blaze in, in 2018, it was a short-lived experience. You know, it, it there were some people that loved it and some people didn't. And so we were like, okay, that's not the right formula. Let's try again. So yes, uh, product portfolio transformation 
transformation, I think is, is hard, as well as ensuring exactly what you said before, which is how do we get deeper into culture, but not become too narrow as a brand? So there are certain things that just didn't have the scale that we wanted, but they really created a very important but narrow conversation. And so we, we're always trying to figure out that balance. So some things have worked in that space and some haven't. We're out of time. Rachel, thank you for sharing your story and your successes with us. Ladies thank you very much. Thank you. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. You know, I was in the room when Rachel gave this presentation live, and I have listened to her speech a few times since then, just to make sure that I've understood all of the takeaways. And for me, the two biggest things that have stayed with me is one, I love the marketing challenge and the creative brief that Doritos created for themselves. It states that they want their marketplace, their consumers to say, I can't believe that Doritos just did that. I mean. Creating that kind of sentiment was really part of their core strategic brand framework. And just imagine the creativity and the courage that is required to live up to that challenge statement. So while so many brand leaders are out there playing it safe, Doritos demands that their marketing strategies be as bold as their flavor profile. And I love that. Secondly, was really Rachel's admonition to us to not be cultural tourists. We shouldn't just flirt with culturally relevant things. We should create cultural relevance. And I appreciated how she shared a bit of their industry first collaboration with Mountain Dew, which by the way, is another iconic cult brand that we honored previously at the gathering. As Rachel shared a few examples, they're adding value in two big territories that they want to dominate in music, and gaming. And I appreciate her advice, which is don't dabble in multiple spaces, just dominate in a few of them. And Doritos has done that masterfully. Their collabs with music have literally resulted in songs being added to charts or coming back onto the charts years later. So when done well, applying cult brand principles and creating cult-like followings doesn't really have to take long. In less than three years, all of Doritos sales KPIs are now being hit or even exceeded. Cult brands enjoy significance and financial success. So I leave you with the same advice that Rachel left us with, which is this. If you want to be iconic, act iconic. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Once again, this is your host, Chris Neeland. 
and you've been listening to Cult Brand Secrets, where we explore the great speakers and insights shared at the gathering of Forbes' top-rated business summit. Learn more about the gathering at cultgathering.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please rate and review us on your podcast app. It really helps. Cult Brand Secrets is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Learn more about our podcasts at evergreenpodcast.com. Special thanks to Connor Standish and Laura Winter for their assistance in making this podcast possible. Also, I'd like to thank our producer and audio engineer, William Pritz, as well as executive producers, David Moss and Bridget Coyne. I'm your host, Chris Nealon. Thanks for listening. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.